You're listening to We Nation Radio Podcast with your host, Uncle Devin, the children's drum cushionist. And I'm so glad that you joined us because we have someone very special. We have uh, a son of North Carolina here in the United States, but also a pioneer in so many different areas. He's a professor. Uh, He's a, a musician. He's an Emmy Award winning producer. And also, he's now a wonderful children's uh, artist. Uh, give it up for the one and only Pierce Freeline. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you're here, Pierce, and I'm glad that you're able to join us. Um, and I'm, it's an honor because, uh, one, I've known your mother uh, for some time now, and, um, and she's talked about her children, but I... Uh, I knew that I met her actually years ago, and we're going to talk. Well, actually, let me let me let me go back to that. We will come back to your moms in a minute. But first of all, tell the audience a little bit about who you are, uh, where you're from, and uh, a little bit about your your background. Sure. Well, um, I think starting with my mom is a good is a good starting place because yes. that's that's where I came from. You and know where that's I came right. from, Nina Freeline. That's where mm-hmm. I came from. That's right. And let me also say for she's an award winning. <laughs> jazz vocalist that i've been listening to for years and i'll talk to you about how i actually met your mom so about probably about eight to nine years ago but but go ahead so where, where are you based out of yeah I'm, I'm based here in durham north carolina in the uh in the southern city of uh durham and was born and raised here uh, my parents came here in the in the late 70s early 80s and had me and my siblings uh, and we grew up here in the South. Uh, I'm a millennial parent of two wonderful children. Uh, I'm a husband, a professor, and um, you know, uh, it's been it's been you know, working on children's music has been something that has been a delight in recent years. As a parent of a you know, ten year old girl and an eleven year old boy, uh, been coming up with song ideas and concepts. As a as a part of my parenting practice, but to put that on wax and to put that out has been a real pleasure. Okay, and how old are your children? Oh, uh, Justice is uh, Justice is eleven, and Stella is ten. Okay, and then before we jump uh, into your music career, uh, you are a professor. Where 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 do you where do you teach, and what do you teach? Yeah, I teach at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. Uh, in the Department of African, African American, and Diaspora Studies. Okay. And it also says that I know you you are a, a director and you've directed a number of different things. Talk about that and talk about uh, what you won the Emmy Award, because you won an Emmy Award for, I understand, a wonderful uh, documentary that you did. Yeah, well, um, first I'll start with the History of White People in America is is a project that I'm working on right now. It's an animated series that's kind of somewhere between Hamilton and uh, Schoolhouse Rock. It is telling the story of race and where it came from and how it's uh, evolved over the years. So that's an animated series that has been uh, at premiered at Tribeca Film Festival and now just had its release on the World Channel, which is a PBS digital network. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I was uh, producing uh, and co-founder of a web series called Beatmaking Lab. And Beatmaking Lab is really cool. It started as a class at UNC. It developed into this PBS web series where me and a, another producer named Apple Juice Kid 
traveled around the world. We went to places like Goma, Democratic Republic of the Congo, uh, Portobello, Panama. We went to places like Matanwa and Haiti. And we had a curriculum where we would teach kids, uh, mostly, you know, teens, but, you know, as low as like, you know, eight to 10 years old, as, as old as 19 or 20. We would teach these kids how to make beats. And we brought a backpack full of equipment, taught them how to make beats and, and left that equipment with the community center so that they could continue to create and, um, and produce their own music. Um, so that program ran from about 2012 to about 2016. And uh, in 2015, uh, we released an episode called Heartbeats of Fiji. It was a, one of the episodes that we released while we were in uh, Suva, Fiji. And um, directed by a guy named John Casby, who was a student at UNC at the time, it, it, we submitted it and it won an Emmy for the uh, 2015 Daytime Emmys for the Best Video Essay. So that was a real privilege to be uh, involved in that project and to be recognized at that level. And um, yeah, it's, it's one of the, one of my most projects I'm most proud of. Absolutely. Congratulations. Um, And I know that while you were teaching at uh, North, uh, well, you were also, was that North Carolina Central where you were in the department of music there as well? Well, actually, um, so yeah, over the years, I started teaching uh, at UNC Chapel Hill in 2009. And shortly after that, I um, I was actually teaching on two campuses. I would teach um, two days a week at UNC and two days a week at North Carolina Central University, which is a historically Black college in Durham. Um, at North Carolina Central, I actually taught in their political science department, uh, but I've also taught in music at UNC. Okay. And what, what's your uh, musical field? What do you, what do you specialize in? Uh, electronic music production. Um, the beat making lab course, it was a new course being offered at UNC that was part of something called the Carolina beat Academy. And so we had beat making lab, MC lab, uh, DJing and rock, which are courses that aren't, you know, typically taught in a you know, music departments across the country you have classical, you have jazz, uh, you don't typically have, you know, electronic music, beat making, DJing, MCing. Like it's wild. You have you have, you know, mm-hmm. jazz vocalists. You have opera, mm-hmm. but um, you know, there there weren't many classes prior to the Carolina Beat Academy that could teach you MCing. You could get credit for learning how to how to rap. Um, so that was a that was a fun, uh, you know, academic venture. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's what I taught in the music department. And, you know, it's interesting because in my conversations with uh, fellow children's artists and two-time Grammy-nominated artists, the Alphabet Rockers, they talk about the time when they went to the Grammys and they uh, when they were nominated and they get a chance to perform outside of the Grammys. And they ask each nominated group to perform, but they focus on having a DJ. And, they, and the Grammys were telling them, well, no, you can't use a DJ. We only allow for uh, live musicians. And they were almost de-emphasizing a huge cultural part of uh, hip hop and uh, of African music in how we were able to take uh, music and make music just from DJing. And so uh, to hear them tell that story is incredible. So I'm loving the fact that there are even classes um, that, that specializes in this. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's it's a generational shift. There was a time when um, Duke Ellington was invited to speak at Oxford University, and the chairs of the of the classical music departments were like, "Get this crap out of here! This isn't real music. This is, you know, this isn't worthy of being presented at such a prestigious institution." And so, you know, it takes time for uh, for culture to uh cross boundaries yes. like uh especially in academic institutions and and older uh institutional bodies like the recording academy that doesn't surprise me at all right. um, but you know w- w- we still got to be innovative and and push the uh push the conversation forward even though that, that you know there are roadblocks mm-hmm. And you also ran for mayor of Durham, North Carolina, uh, in 2017. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, uh, as a Durham native, um, I, I noticed a couple things. I noticed that um, there were no millennials like me stepping up to represent their city. Um, we had a city council at the time in 2017 that had a median age of about 65 years old. And uh, meanwhile, the city of Durham had a median age of about 30. And so that, that tells you something. When, when the people representing a city of, of, with, the, with the median age of 30 are, are over twice that age, um, you know, there's a, there's a big gap there. That right. There are folks, you know, sitting on city council in 2017, you know, who are in their 70s and 80s and, and bless their hearts. I appreciate the work that they put in, but they came in to power during the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and, and were still present. And to be frank, a lot of the decisions that they were making, which have implications for, for decades, you know, for the decades to come, they weren't going to be around to, to experience the consequences of those choices. And so mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, you know, ultimately we would have a diversity of voices. We'd have some 80 year olds, we'd have some 30 year olds, you know, there would be a, a spectrum of opinion and a, and a chorus that included a variety of perspectives and backgrounds. And so for me, uh, it, it felt really important um, to step up and to stand up for race equity, for police accountability, for economic justice, for mm-hmm. especially for black and brown communities. Like that wasn't something I was hearing from the, from the politicians who were, who were two or three times my age. So right. I felt compelled to step up and be the change that I wanted to see. Oh, that, and that's wonderful. I mean, and we have to have that. Again, we need the whole spectrum, but you're right. Many times, one of the criticisms of the civil rights movement is that we, that the, that it did not pass down the torch, so to speak. And uh, and, it, and it carried it out until they couldn't breathe anymore. So, uh, but I'm glad to hear that you, um, you know, recognize your, your responsibility and, 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 and took that on. Um, now, I want to talk also, go back to talking about your mother, a six-time Grammy Award-nominated uh, artist, vocalist. Um, I met her, actually, we both were performing on uh, Capital, Jazz, Capital Jazz Cruise. Uh, I was there with the trio, the electroacoustic band. And I ain't going to lie, at that time, I was so committed and focused on children's music, I didn't even want to go on the cruise. The band had to had to beg me to go. And so everywhere I went, I was just talking to different artists that I met. Say, hey, have you ever thought about children's music? Because I, I saw an, the need for it. And your mother was one of the few on there that not only had thought about it, but she 
she engaged in a long conversation with me about it. And, and I was so grateful to hear that. What role did your mother play in you um, uh, focusing in on music? Oh, uh, an incredible role. I mean, she was my, uh, she was the blueprint for, for my career in music. And, you know, a lot of times people ask me, what, what is it like having a famous mom or, you know, a mom has been to the Grammys and, and it's like, that was just her job. You know, like when I was growing up, she brought us to soundcheck and to rehearsal and we were backstage and, and she would leave sometimes for weeks at a time to tour. And when we were old enough, she brought us with her and we weren't just there as spectators. We were there carrying bags and striking stages and, uh, you know, running errands for her bandmates and, you know, seeing the world. Um, so I got to travel to Japan and Finland and uh, just to kind of be her little personal assistant slash road manager uh, while mm -hmm. we traveled. So, um, you know, and that, and that was her work. It was her, it was her job. I didn't, it didn't occur to me that other kids had, you know, parents that did nine to fives or worked in other types of fields. It was just kind of what I knew. So it felt very normal. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when I started writing poetry and in high school writing raps and making beats, um, it, it just felt like I had seen an example of how an entrepreneur builds a business and how they collaborate with others and how they have to be creative and improvise, but also uh, understand what an LLC is and get your taxes right. And, you know, all of that was a part of what I saw growing up. And so um, it felt very natural for me to move into a career in music. And, you know, and that's also important because, um, you know, one of the things I try to do with artists coming into this field is helping them understand the importance of the business side. And quite honestly, most people don't realize it, but as an artist, unless you have a lot of money to, to pay people to do all the business stuff, the majority of what you end up doing, at least 60% of it is business. And the rest of it is, is the art. And that may be a, a, a very low estimation of it. But speaking of the business, though, you have a wonderful children's CD that's going to be released on July 31st, uh, 2020, called Dad. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, uh, DAD. It's a, it's a, it's my my first uh, project in this genre, um, and you know, it's it's ten years. Typical, how old is Justice? Eleven, eleven years. <laughs> the album is eleven years in the making because as soon as I became a father, um, I started thinking about. Well, let me not think. Say thinking about. I, I began to seamlessly incorporate music into my parenting, and how how I father is very musical, and unlike any generation in American history, we are the millennials are the first generation to have smartphones in our park pockets from the moment our children were born, mm -hmm. um, and. I captured everything the the from the hospital to the birthday parties to the recitals all of that was captured in my phone and so about a year ago when my dad my father's an architect who was diagnosed with ALS in 2016 and last year his health really began to uh deteriorate and 
I, um, my siblings and I would spend time with him, you know, to care for him. And when I would spend one-on-one time with him, I always had my phone out to show him like, look, do you remember Stella's birthday in 2000, you know, uh, four or sorry, 2014, she was born in 2010, you know, when, uh, you know, when this happened and, and, you know, just to kind of help him time travel a little bit to, to mentally get out of his wheelchair and, and to remember and to reminisce and to explore, uh, all these wonderful moments that I had captured on my phone through videos and voice memos. And, uh, it was through that process that I realized, like, look at all these gems. There were so many song ideas. There were so many precious, beautiful, creative moments that, um, that were revealed to me through this kind of, you know, family digital archiving that I was doing with my dad. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, shortly, uh, before he passed and, and afterwards, I just dove into creative work on this album. Uh, and it's a celebration of fatherhood, a celebration of black fatherhood. Um, it is, a, it is a, a, a testament to the father that my dad was and the father that I am, that I am as a part of his legacy. You know, he taught me these gems and I put them on the record. I, I, I enshrine them um, through these songs and I can't wait to share them with the world. Well, let's do that. Let's just take a listen to a, a couple of them. Uh, I don't know if you have any place you want to start, but I know the first track is Tuck Me In and the second one is Daddy uh, Daughter Day. Um, and so um, if you like, I, we, I'll just start off with uh, just a little bit of Tuck Me In and let you talk a little bit about the inspiration behind that song. Yeah, let's go for it. I don't want to go to bed until you tell me a bedtime story. Can you tell me a favorite story? Oh, yeah. I don't want to turn off the lights until you give me a glass of water. Lord have mercy. I'm so thirsty. Oh, yeah. I don't want to close my eyes because there's monsters in the closet. They're so hairy and so scary. Oh, yeah. I don't want to go to bed without you in my arms So just tuck me in and promise you won't leave me in the dark Tuck me in Right there, just real quick. But but I, I first of all, the quality of the, the CD is just incredible to me. And so I just say congratulations again. Um, talk a little bit about that particular song. What what was the inspiration behind? It? Yeah, well, the clip that you hear at the very beginning is an actual clip. Um, I was putting my kids to bed. We were brushing teeth in the in the bathroom, and uh, their mom was downstairs taking a much needed rest. And Stella was saying, I don't want to go to sleep. You know, I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to go to bed. And, um, 
you know, every parent, every parent who has tried to enforce a bedtime knows that <laughs> moment. They resist. Right. And our job, you know, my dad was, my both my parents, big nerds. They were really into Star Trek. Um, uh -huh. Resistance is futile. That's the what the Borg used to say. So <laughs> here I am. I'm the I'm the space zombie monster dad saying it's time to go to bed. Um, you know, but but that I felt that um, you know to to put that in a song and to and to use those excuses like the kids would come downstairs all the time. I just need a glass of water. There's a monster in my closet. I can't fall asleep. Like we, we've heard it all. <laughs> yeah, right. and so, um, yeah. So that, that just felt uh, like a, an important place to start that every, every parent could relate to. Okay. And then let's go to uh, the next one, which is uh daddy daughter day. I'm just going to play a little bit of that for a moment. All right. Daughter day, girl, what up? what up? Right now, we can go anywhere you wanna. Yeah. Roller skating ring to the movies, chilling at the house. Maybe later on, we can go get a banana flow. Mm. Yeah, cause that's really tasty. We can be lazy, stop and smell the daisies. Do what you want, me and you in the car. Go play in the arcade or shop at the mall. Hope you're ready for a wonderful day. Sunny outside, hope you're ready to play. When your mama asks you how your day went, you gon' tell her daddy be your favorite. Sun is going down now, get into your jammies. Yeah. Bedtime concert, performing at your Grammys. Close your eyes and now it's sleepy time. Tomorrow we go press rewind. Daddy done a day, daddy done a day, daddy done a day, daddy done a day. And I'm gonna stop that one here. Um, man, that that's wonderful. Uh, talk a little bit about that song. Yeah, uh, I think that Daddy Daughter Day is just a fun, loving anthem. And uh, my daughter helped me with the beat. Uh, the other MC on that track, Jay Gunn, is the father of a beautiful black girl named Harlem. And so he, he killed it. Verse two is just as uh, uplifting and fun, loving and Durham centered as as the beginning of the song. So definitely check check out the rest of the tune. But, you know, okay. I think, uh, you know, as a black man in America, uh, especially in this moment, in the in the heat of the movement for black lives, um, I think we're, we really need to have a hard look at how the media portrays black men. There are all these narratives out there about, you know, the deadbeat dad and the absent father and, you know, the, the these, outdated tropes around back black masculinity where we can't be vulnerable we can't be silly you know that we don't we're not caring you know and it's right. that it's that same mentality that same mentality that 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 robs us of our humanity as as fathers is it contributes to the fact that black men are disproportionately incarcerated and disproportionately killed by police if, if if kids from a young age saw more depictions of black men as nurturing fathers, I think that would have a direct, you know, impact and, and cumulative uh, correlation for kids who grow up to be judges and police officers and, you know, make these, make laws, you know what I mean? Um, 
So yeah, it's, it, it was important to me for those reasons, in addition to just celebrating the love that I have for my daughter. You know, one of the reasons why I got into children's music was that I didn't see many other artists that look like you and I uh, in this field. And it wasn't that we didn't exist. Again, we just weren't getting the publicity. Um, I didn't see us on the, the mainstream radio stations uh, or hear us on the mainstream radio stations. Growing up with your children, rather, as they were growing up, did you have a hard time or yeah, a hard time sharing music with them or finding music that you felt that was um, something that they would enjoy? Well, yes and no. I mean, the thing is, there are no shortage of Black male entertainers out there. Um, but look at the music that they're producing, and look uh, and look at the look at the topics that they address. And if you know, obviously, the the Black male dominated genre in popular culture is hip hop, and a lot of the hip hop that you hear on in the mainstream on the radio, it deals with you know drugs and violence and glorifies all these stereotypes about black maleness that are very harmful and i say this as a hip hop head as somebody who grew up <laughs> oh, yeah. loving like nas and jay z and biggie Smalls, right. and those are the people that i idolized those were the artists that were so dope to me and so yeah as a parent in in 20 in 2008 when my son was born yes i was looking for black male role models in the media and they were nowhere to be found. Where I found the black male role models was in my household. It was me, it was my dad, it was his, my grandfather, you know, it was the teachers and the, you know, the mailman and the, you know, the grocery store workers. It was the people that they were abundant. Black male positive figures and role models were abundant, but they were not present in the media. So yeah, I totally see the responsibility that I have to take this platform and to take this genre and to say, Hey, we in here. And, and that's why, you know, I appreciate your work so much because you were saying when you started, how long you been in the game? 20, 10, 20 years. Uh, well, as a children's artist, I really didn't get started until I say 2007, but I didn't really take it seriously until about 2011. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's a good, that's a good 13, you know, that's a decade plus like for me, you know, to see you there and to have you be a presence that I can point to and say, okay, there's another brother, there's another black man. Like that is very affirming to me and the platforms that you create, especially when we, when you look at the genre of, of, of children's music and family music, kindy music, whatever you want to call it. Um, we, you know, we, we don't have the type of platforms that you're providing right now. And, uh, you know, you've created that platform. And I'm so grateful because I know that, um, you know, the mechanisms of white supremacy, it doesn't even, they don't even need to be racist to perpetuate uh, white supremacy. And, and but when I say they, I'm talking about gatekeepers, whether it be yes. award show people or festival bookers, or they could have, they could be the most liberal. I have a black friend, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> person in the world. But the right. implicit bias of just uh, of our exclusion is very subtle. So for you to be intentional and say, here, brother, here's a platform like that's a big deal. So I appreciate what you're doing here. Well, I, I appreciate appreciate you. And being from Durham, you also have tagged up with another wonderful colleague who I met, eh, I guess now four or five years ago, Reese Palmer. 
Yeah, she's dope. And oh. you know what? Speaking of, uh, oh, is that you? No, is that me? Oh, that's me. Hold on a okay. second. Sure. Did, did you hear that? I couldn't hear anything. Oh, my phone was ringing. Oh, okay. And it's connected to my computer. All right, so sorry. I just wanted to say, um, Reese Palmer, who is another amazing black children's artist, but also a country singer, and country music is another genre where black folks are present and really created the foundations of the genre, but have been kind of excluded um, from the mainstream outlets that present country music. She's doing a really cool blog uh, called Color Me Country, not blog, sorry, podcast called Color Me Country, which is about, you know, being a black woman in the genre of country music, very much in the same vein of, of uh, you know, providing platforms for women of color, people of color, especially black women uh, in country. So shouts to Reese, love you, sis, and Bull City all day. <laughs> That's right. And I say that her CD, when she came out with her CD, Best Day Ever, was one of the most underrated a phenomenal children's CDs that I've ever heard. And I play it regularly. It is wonderful music. Yeah. Um, but you teamed up with her uh, with a song called My Body. Yeah, check it out. It's uh, This is a song about creating consent culture. It's a song about owning your body autonomy. It's a song about, uh, you know, expressing your power. And even as a kid, you can say, it's my body and my rules. Like, you want a hug? Just ask and see if it's cool. Like you don't, you don't see kids depicted as having agency in that way, but they absolutely have the right uh, to say what happens to their bodies. So um, yeah, that's what the song is about. Let's check out a little bit of that out right now. All right. Okay. 
Okay, I'm going to cut that right there because it can go on and on, but I want to tease the audience to make sure that when your CD is released on July 31st, that they go out and get it and support mm -hmm. the artist. I mean, that song is so phenomenal, and um, I'm going to be reaching out to you shortly about some work that I'm doing with another artist, uh, Wincy Terry Bryant out of New Jersey. In fact, she goes back to hip-hop. She uh, she has a, a long history with doing some hip-hop, but she was with uh, Moni Love. Uh, and I don't know if you remember that song with the, one of her uh, hits. Um, oh, what was the song? Moni Love. Uh, it's a shame. Mm -hmm. Well, that was that was Wincy that was singing. And she has a campaign specifically called Traffic Jam uh, that will that uses music to educate about uh, human trafficking. So we're going we're going to be dealing with all of that. But that is a phenomenal song. Uh, very timely. What age range would you say your music um, is catering toward? Um, I would say, uh, you know, from, from very young, newborn to, you know, 10 or 12. And see, um, and you know, yeah, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll tell you why I asked that, but go ahead. I'll cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, here's, here's why I say kind of newborn to 10 or 12. It's, what's interesting is, um, you know, there's, I remember when my kids were very young, there was this interesting thing going on about kids and classical music, you know, exposing your kid to Beethoven or Mozart and it has all these cognitive impacts on their, on their brain development. And, um, you know, that, that's complicated, beautiful mm -hmm. music. Um, right. that is certainly not, not pandering to the fact that they're babies. It, it's complicated and, and lush mm -hmm. and, and that's part of what makes it, uh, brain veggies for them to munch on. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I, I believe that, that, uh, you know, we shouldn't pander to our kids. We've got, they've got amazing sponges for brains. And if they can understand complicated rhythms and chord changes, they can understand, uh, lyrics and, and ideas, uh, even before they're over to speak them. My body is my body. You know, that, that's, mm -hmm. that's something yes. that's very accessible to all ages, in my opinion. And, you know, that's been the hardest thing about trying to educate um, definitely those in the black community about children's music, because for whatever reason, there hasn't been any national or any uh, really children's music programming uh, in our community uh, out of all the different entities that own media in our community, whether it's uh, from Oprah to Tyler Perry to uh, even BET that caters to the black community. There's no children's programming. And so when I'm sharing music, many times people's perceptions of what children's music is just simply nursery rhymes. And I'm sitting here like, no, we're changing the face of children's music as we speak. And your CD certainly does that. Do you have a hard time getting people to understand the concept of what you're talking about? Well, I, I, I empathize with people who kind of scratch their heads about kids' music because it certainly has an outward facing brand. That is, it's either Disney princesses or is Barney like baby shark. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. And and I, I get that that those um, those branding engines have big Disney budgets behind them and big you know billions of streams of, of viral uh, you know assets to their uh, credit in terms of a, you know something like a baby shark. Um, and so we're, we're struggling to get some visibility. Now, if you do a deep dive, 
um, and, and you even find out that there's a genre of music called kendi music, what do you see? You see a bunch of uh, white artists, mostly men, who are singer songwriter folk musicians. Now I don't know. Listen, I've been to you've been to a black cookout before. How much folk music they playing? <laughs> they they playing some Frankie Beverly, ain't they? They playing yep. some TV. They playing some Earth, Wind, and Fire. They might they might be playing some hip hop. You know, get the old folks two stepping. But they ain't playing no folk music. So I don't blame black folks for looking at, at the genre and saying I don't see myself reflected in this. I don't I don't see my culture uh, expressed through this. And so that's again going back to the importance of having platforms. And uh, in spaces like these, like we need to to create the audience by, um, you know, and bring them into music that they're familiar with, that reflects our culture, that depicts us positively. And and I believe that there is an untapped kindy audience in these diverse groups that don't know we exist yet. And it's our job to, to turn that yet into like uh, now, like here we are, you know, absolutely. Yeah, and, yep. and similar to, so I'll say this last thing, similar to the, the thing I was saying earlier about running for political office, it needs to be an intergenerational dialogue too. Right. You know, like you need millennials who are at the cutting edge of, you know, what's trending and, and who are the big spenders as parents, like they need to be involved. And you also need, you know, elders and OGs that, that can come in. Uh, and so And so I think we're at the cusp of something, you know, now Absolutely. that- now that we have some intergenerational uh, uh, representation in the genre. Absolutely. And uh, for those who just are tuning in, you're listening to We Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Uncle Devin, the children's drum cushionist. And my guest is uh, a professor and director, Emmy Award winning, and now children's music artist, Pierce Freelon. And we're talking about his new CD, D.A.D., I first said dad before, but I had this D.A.D. And we've been listening to some of his wonderful music that's going to be released on July 31st, um, twenty uh, July 21st, 2020. What's the best way for someone to get in contact with you? Uh, well, they can they can hit me up. Um, my website right now has a, a link to my mailing list. Um, you know, you could reply back to that mailing list. It'll come straight to my inbox. Um, my publicist, Stephanie Mayers is her contact information, her cell phone number and email is on my website. Um, so I'm very reachable. Um, and, uh, you know, you could also hit me up for all the millennial parents out there. You can slide in my DMS. You can hit me up on Instagram. You can follow me on, you know, Facebook or Twitter and I'll get back to you, uh, that way as well. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, you can uh, listen to uh, his music uh, right now before it's released right on our WeNationRadio.com, which is 24-7 online music radio station that provides the best and family-friendly global beats for little feet. And as we continue to, um, you know, provide these different platforms, one of my goals is to have a syndicated radio program in every major city, uh, black community in the, in, in the United States. And here in Washington, D.C., uh, every Wednesday night, I'm grateful to have uh, my own talk show on WPFW 89.3 FM from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where I get a chance to share your music and all, you know, Reese's music and other other artists who people have never, ever heard. And it's a struggle, but we're going to change the face of children's music because not only is it just entertaining, but the most important thing is it's educational and has huge ramifications 
on the development of our children. As a professor, can you talk a little bit about that? What impact does having a children's genre have on, on our children? Well, you know, uh, young minds are very impressionable and, and that's where ideas about self and culture and community uh, come from. Obviously, you know, it comes from your family. It comes from, if, if you're part of a faith community, it could come from church or from the mosque. It, you know, uh, the, there are these various, it could come from school, what kind of school you go to um, and the culture of that space. But our music, human beings, we are a musical species and a, and a creative uh, species. So when I think about the way that culture has impacted, you know, everything from politics and sports. It's just, it's really, really important that we have representation. And look look back historically about representation in sports, for example. You know, there was a time when when white supremacists thought they were the supreme beings of the earth and, and Hitler and Nazi Germany, they didn't want Jesse Owens running because that showed people that black folks are physically capable. We can hang with white folks, even with a lot less resources. Um, representation, there are tons of movies out there. Uh, what was that movie about the um, NASA, the women who were the NASA? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 oh, you know oh my goodness. About. I know exactly what you're talking about, yes. Uh, my father even worked at NASA, so I, I should know it. Uh, it'll come back to me in a minute. Will you Google it while I'm talking about yes. it. Yes, yeah, I got you. I'm already on it. know what we talk about. Taraji yeah, P. Henson and them. They were in that movie where, you know, and it's important to have representation. So I say all that to say, whether it's sports, whether it's uh, academia, whether it's politics, you know, uh, we need representation in these spaces. And the reason children's music is so important is because that that is a soft entry point for a lot of kids for yes. popular culture and popular popular media. Yes. And, uh, you know, as someone, as I mentioned earlier, someone who grows up to be a judge or grows up to be a police officer, or grows up to be a lawyer, also grew up with someone that whose music they listened to, whose lessons they they admired, and whose uh, you know whose personality they strive to emulate. You know, if that's a brother, if that's a black man, if that's a if that's a woman, if that's someone from the LGBTQ community, then by the time you grow up, it's hard to hold prejudice against those people you know, that you grew up admiring, that you grew up singing the songs of. So right. I think from a, from an equity and an and a, and a anti-racism lens, mm -hmm. um, you know, having space in this genre and impacting the minds of children at this age is absolutely paramount to a broader spectrum of change that we want to see. And you're talking about the movie Hidden Figures. Um uh, the, hidden figures, uh, yeah, thank hidden you. Figures, yes, and uh, and and then what we're trying not to do is we don't want to be hidden artists in children's music, and we're going to continue to force our way um, onto the the platform. And also, just to let you know, I've coined a term called music adultification. That's where mm. we force our children to listen to inappropriate adult music instead of age appropriate and culturally relevant music. And quite often in our communities, many of our parents don't even know where to go because they're not going to go and listen to the folk music. Like you said, uh, quite honestly, I don't blame them. I wouldn't listen to it. I mean, I'm, I'm more broad minded because I know a lot of the artists. So I'll listen. Uh, I love all types of music, but we need more music. We need our artists um, to uh, like yourself and others to continue to flood 
uh, the the gateway. And then one last campaign that we're that one campaign that we're, we we've already launched was uh, getting our Black award shows to recognize uh, children's artists the same way that the Grammys and the Latin Grammys has a best children's album. Mm. They too need to have a best children's album so that more people will know, hey, this is something I can do. And so we, you know, I, I, I'm going to be sharing that even more. We're going to be doing a major um, campaign on that this summer. Uh, so that we can get people like yourself recognized. Good. Uh, yeah, I think that's really important. And, you know, and, and the important thing for those listening, you know, this is not, it's not a shot against uh, against the artists who are out there and doing great music that it, it's not going to resonate with black kids. That's you right. You know what I mean? Like that's I had right. a conversation on the phone the other day with my boy, Joe from the Okie Dokie Brothers. Oh yeah. That's my man. You yeah. know, great dude, very talented musician, talks about camping and canoeing and you know what I mean? I, when I first listened to his record, you know, kind of just doing research, seeing who else is out there. I'm like, I don't know many black kids who, who been, you know what I mean? Some mosquitoes and bugs. And <laughs> I, you know, there's this whole stereotype that black people can't swim. Like we obviously yeah. know that's not true and we shouldn't right. fight against that stereotype. But you know, the fact of the matter is that for some folks it's a luxury to be out there and to have the gear and access to the, uh, to the knowledge that frankly was kind of robbed you know, from our people and from indigenous folks who at one point uh, kind of lived in, in harmony with nature. You know, now we, we live in, in these communities and, and in these ghettos and in these projects and in these suburbs and in these households that, that aren't as connected to those spaces. So what is the music that's speaking to our experiences? Where's the, are the vibes that, that resonate with our cultural truth and our vibration and, um, you know, and that ain't, that ain't the Okie Dokie Brothers for everybody. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so we need, we need that representation. And what, what it does is, here's the other thing. I was, I told this to Joe when we talked on the phone, when you broaden the scope of the genre in that way, and, and you build a bigger tent for more people to come in to children's music, guess what? Some people may come for Pierce Freelon, but stick around for the Okie Dokie Brothers and for these yes. other artists. Yes. And, and, it, and it really adds some important, vital diversity, which will help the genre uh, 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 reach bigger audiences as a whole. It's kind of like the, what do they say, the, the rising tide like raises all ships? Yes. And there's this narrative in the, in, the, in the equity community that like, you know, Black people are getting a handout or, you know, queer people, LGBTQ people or whoever, trans folks, y'all getting a handout. Nah, it's it's actually the other way around. Mm -hmm. By us being given full participation, um, everybody wins. Everybody gets more exposure, uh, you know, and mm -hmm. and th there's just a broader platform for everyone when those from the bottom, you know, are, are lifted up uh, right. to an equal playing field. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I certainly would agree, and. Um... You know, and so I'm I'm honored to be in this particular position. I'm honored to hear your wonderful CD, and I'm looking forward to a number of great things coming to you uh, with the CD. I'm certainly pushing it, and even on my station. Um, you know, while most most of the music that um, you know, I, I think the majority of the music might be R&B, hip hop, funk, go go, reggae, world music you will also hear folk and country and because music is music and there's some beautiful music made by everyone, but I, I definitely am um, going to encourage you to continue to move forward. I think this is going to be real successful. And, um, and I, I, again, I'm encouraging all the listeners on July 31st, 
let's show the love. Let's let people know. Uh, uh, and definitely let's let Pierce know that his work is uh, needed, wanted, and is just, and give him some feedback. He would love, all of us artists love to get some feedback. So make sure you get, get back in contact with us with that. So Pierce, look, we're going to, um, I'm at the, we're going to head out at this point, but if ever you have anything you want to share on the radio, um, whether it's my online program or my uh, show, let me know. Um, I'm wishing you the best. And I look forward to connecting with you also and doing some partnering uh, down the road. I would love that. Thank you again. Okay. And again, to the audience, thank you for listening in. This is Uncle Devin's We Nation Radio. And we will see you again real, real soon. And as I always say, being a drummer, life is a drum. So beat it. <laughs>